0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemiorg connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during the season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. And who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Who's like a God, amen? And then it says in Hebrews 11, and whoever would draw near to this God, this amazing God, must believe that first he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That is the word of the Lord. You can go and take a seat, family, on all campuses. You know, as I shared with you before, uh, you know, my entire side of, the, of my dad's family actually lives in Europe. And so because of it, I've traveled all throughout Europe, and one of the things that, that Europe is famous for, it's for its cathedrals, cathedrals. In fact, there are over 3,300 cathedrals, crazy, right? Just a bunch of cathedrals anywhere. And here is a little confession about cathedrals, no pun intended. And it's this, that once you've seen one cathedral, (laughs) oh yeah, you've seen them all. You know, sure, there's different sizes and looks, but listen, for the most part, they're very, very similar to each other. To the point that now, whenever I would travel to a new city, I don't even bother going to a cathedral. Why? Because I've been to so many, I know exactly what it looks like inside, I don't need to waste my time going to see another cathedral. And so last year, you know, me and my wife went to Barcelona in Spain for a family wedding, and we were just kind of touring the city and all. And Barcelona is actually famous, uh, this famous cathedral is it's called La, La Sagrada Familia. In fact, how many of you have heard of La Sagrada Familia? Yeah, many of us have heard of, of, of this cathedral. You know, for those of us who are a little younger, it's actually the cathedral that Ed Sheeran says that he's dancing in front, La, Fam- La Sagrada Familia, right? And so, you know, I've always kind of heard about it, but really, I, to be honest, I wasn't too excited about going to this place because I thought, you know what, it's just going to be another one. But, you know, we took the tour, and we got off, and there was nothing really else to do in Barcelona, so we said, you know what, let's just buy the ticket and, and, and we'll go. And it was the last one of the day, so we just kind of kept walking around, and then we eventually came. So when I got off the bus, and I saw this cathedral, I thought to myself, man, that is an ugly cathedral. <laughs> I mean, it's just so ugly, and you know, when I looked at it, I'm thinking, you know, it looks old-looking, and it, had, it looks like an old Gothic thing with like Burn candles, you know, I didn't even know what, what it looked like, but I'm thinking, man, the thing is ugly. So anyway, we, you know, we, we, we give the tickets to the guy, to the tour guide, and we start walking around. And church family, the moment that that tour guide opened up the doors to the inside, all right, said, it was like a building I had never seen before. In fact, it was the most beautiful building I have ever seen in my life. And folks, listen, it was not that inside. It was really not old looking. It was actually futuristic looking. The inside was not dull. It was actually full of color. You know, that that cathedral was not boring. It was actually fascinating. It was actually fascinating. It, It was everything i never imagined it would be in fact take a look at this video of what i saw once they opened up those doors take a look Now, folks, let me just bring that whole story over to our teaching for today, because what an image of, what, of how many people envision the God of the Christian faith. And by that, I mean that just like I thought that the Sagrada Familia was going to be just like any other cathedral, but in reality, it was much different than what I could ever had envisioned. Folks, just like that. When many people envision the God of the Christian faith, the one true God, oftentimes they envision a God that's just like any other God, from any other religion. It's just another religion, it's another God. And in their mind, they think it's a God that is distant, um, a God that's impersonable, that's not personable, and really a God that is unapproachable. When in reality, And here's the big idea for this weekend. When we open up the pages of truth, listen, we find a God that is totally different than what we had ever envisioned, a God more wonderful than we could have ever thought or imagined. Amen? Amen. Now, you may be sitting there at one of our campuses and you may be thinking, Pastor, listen, what is God like what is this God like, and is there any way that we can approach Him? Is there any way that we can draw near to Him? We're going to find out from Hebrews chapter 11, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. You can follow along in our listening guides as well as in our app. And with that in mind, listen, I have three thoughts for you today on what is God like and how we can find Him. So write this down as point number one. The one true God, listen, he is an approachable God. He's an approachable God. In fact, listen to what it says in the passage for today. It says, For whoever would draw what? Near. What is a church family? Near. near to God. For whoever would draw near to God. Now, circle the word near in your handout or in your Bible. Because the word near in the original Greek text, you know, we always like to remind you that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew, and then translated into different languages. With the word here for near, it's a word used in the Gospels when little children would just just come running to Jesus. When those people who were discouraged, those people who were struggling with fears in their life, anxiety in their life, people with illnesses, they... The word, it's the word near that they would just come close to the Lord. And you know, unfortunately, that's the opposite of what many people envision God to be like. Many people envision God just, like I said earlier, to be unapproachable, to be a God who they cannot draw near to. And who knows, maybe perhaps you're joining us today for the very first time or just starting to join us and maybe that's your perspective of God. But the reality is that God is totally different from that, right? And not only is he an approachable God, I that we can draw near to him. But listen, write this down as letter A and B. He's also a God full of love and a God full of mercy. Mercy. You know, in the Old Testament when Moses was wondering what is God like, he has God, God, reveal yourself to me. And God said, you want me to reveal myself to you? Well, I'm going to take you up to a cliff. I'm going to cover your eyes so you don't, you're not consumed by my glory. And I'm going to proclaim before you who I am. So listen to what he says. He says, and the Lord passed before him, before Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, and gracious he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin just family don't you love that description of the lord you know we're in this series called unsinkable right And sometimes in our life, it's easy for our faith in God to sink whenever we're going through a tough time in our life. Whenever there's pain in our life, whenever there's disappointment in our life, whenever there's anxiety in our life, it's easy for our faith to start sinking. But what I love about this passage is that he tells us that he has steadfast love for us. In fact, in the original Hebrew, the word for love is the word Kesed, the word Kessed, it's, it's a tender love. It's almost a fatherly love. And so if you're here today at one of our campuses and you're walking in and there's anxiety in your life, there's fearfulness in your, in your heart, there's things, you're, you're discouraged, you're depressed, listen, the Lord our God, he's a loving God, he's a tender God. He wants to be near you. And sometimes when it comes to our faith in the Lord, at times our faith sinks, not necessarily when we're discouraged and down, but when we're in a season in our life that we know that we've messed up before him, that we have sinned. Who knows, maybe you're here today and you have a facade over you right now, but deep down inside there is a sin that you're struggling with something that no one knows but you know what's going on in private sometimes when you're in those seasons listen you your faith starts to sink but i love in this passage he says that he's a merciful god he's a forgiving god and so listen isn't it amazing that we can come before god and obtain forgiveness of even the worst things that we've done amen amen and listen Here's the, here's the thing. The easiest way for our faith in the Lord to, to sink to sink before him is when we have the wrong perception of who God is. You know, when we don't see him as approachable, when we don't see him as a God of all love, when we don't see him as a God who forgives our worst sins, that's, that's when our faith starts to sink. However, listen, if you want to make sure that your faith is unsinkable, is steady, remains afloat, then it's so critical that you and me have the right perception of God. Because whatever your perception of God is, listen, it will either sink your faith or it will keep your faith afloat. Amen, family? And so let's be sure that we always have the right perception of our, our amazing God. He, and here is how you approach this God of love and this God of mercy. Listen, write this down as big number two. To approach God, you've got to believe that he exists, that he exists. Let's go back to the passage. It says, for whoever would draw near to this awesome God, right, this approachable God, this God of love, this God of mercy, listen. They must believe that he, what? Exist. Exist. Now pause right there. Because the, because the first step of drawing close to the Lord, is very simple. It's just believing that he exists. Now the existence of God has been something that has been debated for years and years and years. And many have tried to put God on trial so that he can prove that he exists. And so through the centuries, listen, within the the, the field of theology, the concept of apologetics have developed. And apologetics is really the study of defending God and his existence. Here's where we get the teleological argument and the ontological arguments for the existence of God. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I think there is a place... For apologetics i think there's a place for it however i also strongly believe that there's a limit to where we should take apologetics and here's why it's because unfortunately i've seen so many believers i've seen so many theologians argue at nauseum with people begging them to believe the presence of god but to no avail when in reality, listen, we tend to forget, write this down as letter A, that God never argues for his own existence. Have you thought about this? God never argues for his own existence. In fact, when we open up God's word, if you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first couple words in his revelation to us, what does it say? In the beginning, what? And not you love that? In the beginning, God. The almighty, perfect, eternal God. Listen, doesn't try to convince finite, sinful, sinf- sinful human beings that he exists. He just says, in the beginning, God. That he exists. Now, Peter, listen, in the New Testament, listen, Peter does encourage us to be ready to defend the Christian faith that we believe. In fact, listen to what he says. He says, that we are always being, to be prepared to make a defense to, to anyone who asks you for a reason for the, what? For the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now family, Peter here is not referring to defending the existence of God. Really what he is really referring to more is making sure that you and I are ready to defend the hope that's within our hearts, right? The fact that we are in need of a Savior, that Jesus Christ is that Savior, and that because of our faith in him, we have a future and a hope. Amen, family? Listen, that is what Peter is encouraging us to be ready to defend. But here's what we see God do when it comes to his own existence. Write this down as letter B. God removes All excuse from not acknowledging his existence. In fact, listen to what Romans chapter 1 says. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are what? Without excuse. without excuse, without excuse. See, here is what we see is that when every single human being comes before their creator, listen, they will be stripped from any and every excuse for saying, I didn't know what God existed in fact, because, because there's something about nature, if you think about it, that just screams that there's a, there's a creator God. You know, there's something about the created order, our bodies, the nature, the universe. There's something that says there's a God who exists. In fact, isn't to what Psalms 19 says. It says the heavens... What they declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day they pour out speech, and night to night they reveal what knowledge. There's no speech, and there nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes off, goes out through all the earth. And their words to the end of the world. You know who the world's best apologists are? The ones who major in apologetics is nature itself. Amen? And every single second of their existence, they are proclaiming there's a God who exists. You know, my, my, honest, uh, my, my favorite place to always spend time with the Lord It's always out in nature. I've always, that's always been for me. You know, there's just something about being in nature that just like really strengthens your faith. And so even though when we, me and my wife, when we wake up up early in the morning, about six o'clock in the morning, 545, you know, we get our coffee and we spend time in the Lord, you know, it's still dark, but whenever I do get the opportunity, I love to go out and just spend time with the Lord because there's something about nature, Right? that just strengthens your faith in the lord listen if you've never spent time with the lord outside i want to encourage you to do it i'm telling you it's there's something about it's just more special and even when i'm outside sometimes i just like to look at the simple little blade of grass have you guys ever picked up a blade of grass how amazing it is and there's not just one a couple there's there's trillions and trillions and trillions that little blade of grass screams to you there is a god you know thomas edison the great inventor listen to what he said about the little blade of grass he said this the day that a man can reproduce just one just one blade of grass he has done what a great thing a great thing now if you're here today at one of our campuses and you still do not believe in god listen That's, you know, I'm obviously okay with it, I understand, but it is my responsibility to tell you that when you come before God, you will not have an excuse. But here's uh, the truth of the matter, listen, a vast majority of people actually believe that there's a God who exists. In fact, studies show that only 2 to 3% of the populations are called themselves atheists, just very small So the question is, if there's so many people in this world, in this country, in this city, that believe that there's a God that exists, then the question is, why don't they seek him? Right? That is the crux of the issue, right? Because listen, not only must you believe that he exists, but write this down as big number three. To approach God, you got to believe that he rewards those who seek him in fact let's go back to the verse for today it says for whoever would draw near to this amazing god first must believe that he exists his first requirement and second that he what rewards. rewards those who seek him now pause right there for a moment because if the vast majority of people believe that God, there's a God who exists, and why don't they seek him? What's well, very simple is because they believe there's no reward for seeking him, that there is no benefit to seeking the Lord. In fact, there's many people who just think it's just a waste of time. <laughs> Going to church and reading, listen, that's just the biggest waste of time. In fact, let me just read you a little quote from Bill Gates. Listen to what he said. He says, just in terms of, of, of allocation of time resources, religion is not very what? It's not very efficient. There's a lot more that I could be doing on a Sunday morning. Listen, we chuckle, we laugh a little bit, but so many people believe that. That's just a waste of time. That's not, Why bother going? So they don't believe there's a reward. Other people believe quite the opposite. That there's it's not that seeking the Lord, there's not a reward, there's actually a detriment for seeking God. Because they think in their mind, if they start pursuing God, that, that they're not gonna benefit from that. But that, they, but that God is going to take something away from them that they love. Who knows? Maybe you're here today at one of our campuses, first time here, or maybe you've been coming for a little bit already, trying to check things out and the all you come sporadically and the reality is that right now you are keeping god at arm's length you're you're there he's there and i'm here but i'm keeping him at arm's length why because in your mind if you really give yourself to the lord if you really start following the lord that he's going to take everything that you want that you love he's going to take your fun He's going to take your happiness. He's going to take your sex life away. He's going to take your time parting. partying. He's going to take away your friends. He's going to take all the things that you love so much. So guess what? If that's the case, I want to keep him what, arm's length, feeling comfortable, but arm's length. And so, so many people, listen, they never really see God because of that. And can I tell that even believers struggle with this? Statistics show across the nation, not only here at Christ Fellowship, but statistics show that across the board, even the people who are the most committed to the Lord, at times they only attend, get this, the average attendance is 1.8 times a month. And that's for the real committed, which says, and by the way, that keeps dropping all the time, That means that more than half of the time, people who say, I trust in Christ, I love the Lord, more than half that time, there's something else that's promising a greater reward. Think about that. And here's where things get real. The reason that you don't attend church consistently, the reason that you don't see God throughout the week, it's not because you don't believe in God. That's another reason. The reason is because you eat deep in your heart, do not believe there is a reward for seeking the Lord. Otherwise, listen, if you really believe that, you would be pursuing him with everything you have. And here's what I want us to kind of internalize at this juncture. Whenever there's an opportunity for you to seek the Lord, but you choose something else, I hope that you remind yourself, at this moment, I'm believing that that thing brings me more reward than pursuing the Lord. But here's the thing, as we, as we seek the Lord, it cannot just be a random pursuit. Seeking them haphazardly whenever it's convenient for us. But write this down as letter A. We need to, seek, we need to be sure that we seek him diligently, seek him diligently. Now, other versions of this verse actually say that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Other versions say earnestly seek him. Now, the reason that other versions oftentimes add that adjective is because in the original Greek, the word to here is the word exeteo, exeteo. And the, now the, that's a compound word because the word zetail means just to seek something. The word ek means to draw out something that you are more intently pursuing. But the moment that you combine ek zeteo together, it's almost a more diligent pursuit. It's a passionate pursuit. It's a pursuit that doesn't matter what gets in your way, you are going to seek that out. And so the question that I have that I want you to ask yourself and that I ask myself all the time is, Omar, are you diligently seeking the Lord? Are you seeking the Lord diligently? Or are you just pursuing the Lord when it's convenient for you? Are you diligently seeking him? And here's the thing. This verse is encouraging, encouraging us to diligently seek him because there is a reward, right? Now, what is that reward, you may be asking? Well, write this down letter B. The reward is himself. The reward is himself. In fact, listen to what David said of what he experienced when he diligently seeked the Lord. He said this in Psalm 16. He says, in your presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. And in your right hand, oh God, there is pleasures forevermore. See, family, the reward for seeking God is not that he's going to fix your problem. You know, many people think when they read this verse that the reward when I seek God is that he's going to fix whatever issue I have. That he's gonna fix my marriage. That if I see God enough, that he's gonna bring me that spouse that I desire. That if I see God enough, he's gonna get me out of this gym at work. That if I see God, he's gonna fix my finances, he's gonna cure me of whatever illness I have. And they think somehow, some way that the reward for seeking God is that he's gonna fix your problems. But the reality is that the reward is not that, the reward is that you actually get to find God. Here's what's beautiful. When you find him in his presence, that's where you're going to experience rest for your pain. That is going to be where you find, listen, peace for your anxious heart. That is where you're going to find guidance for the difficult decision. That is where you're going to find hope in the middle of that discouragement. Amen, family? And so listen, everything you will ever need is found in the presence of God. You'll be thinking, Pastor, how can I find God? Where do I go to experience his presence? How can I diligently seek him? Well, listen, God wrote a book, all right? Take a look at this.
1: blows me away every time I stop to think about it. Pages and pages of God. His thoughts, His words, His heart. Right there, just a few inches away. I can carry it with me everywhere I go. Read it whenever I want. When we open the Bible, what do we see? We see God himself in this book. We meet him here or we don't meet him, not with any hope of friendship. Reading the Bible is one of the most important things we can ever do. It's more valuable than anything we own, sweeter than anything we have ever eaten. It is literally more important than breathing. The reason we don't read the Bible is that we don't want to read the Bible. We don't see joy, peace, and life when we see that leather binding on our shelf. We see a wall, not a window, the boring portrait, not the never-ending beauty beyond. So we put it off, leave it shut, and move on stay in bed, and we miss the miracle. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness, loves to speak light into hearts and minds. God wrote a book, and with his book, these words in front of us, he wakens our dead, bored souls. He frees us from bondage to sin, from desires that rob us of life. He comforts the depressed, inspires the discouraged, guides the confused. He empowers us to make our lives count for His cause in the world. He satisfies us completely and forever with words, His words. So will I read my Bible tomorrow? Where else would I go? How else will I know Him? How else will I prepare myself to enjoy Him forever? Yes, I'll spend the rest of my life looking out of this window, watching, waiting for another sight of Him, another miracle. Another glimpse of my God.
0: So, well, family, you know, as I, we all heard that, family. Where else are we gonna go? How else are we gonna see God? How? How else are we going to prepare our souls, our hearts to meet him forever? Listen, it's when we pursue him diligently through his word. When we seek him in our life. And folks, my prayer for us as a church is that we just don't neglect his truth. That we seek him diligently all the days of our life until we see him face to face. Amen. Let me end with this. You know, going back to my, to the story, my opening story with the cathedrals and walking through this this beautiful place. I remember that I was walking with my wife and we were just, just looking at this glorious building, this beautiful building and just admiring its beauty. And folks, at one point I just looked down and I looked and I saw a young man. Just not looking up and enjoying this amazing building but looking down at his cell phone and he spent the whole time in that building just looking down at his cell phone probably looking at things that didn't even matter and they missed it and he missed what we were seeing I thought to myself what an image of so many people they come so close to God, to the glorious God, a loving God, a forgiving God, and they miss Him. And look down and just look at things that ultimately do not matter in life the temporal. And they don't look at the eternal. So I don't know where you're at today, but when you're here. I want to encourage you, listen, if you don't know Christ, if you don't know the Lord, don't miss Him. Don't miss Him. And you may be thinking, Pastor, listen, I, I never knew this is the type of God that we can have a relationship. How can I start this relationship? How can I see God? Well, it was very simple. It's not by coming here to church and sitting down or doing a ritual or going through some sort of tradition. Scripture tells us that and you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ that he lived the perfect life of obedience that you and I could never live and when he went to that cross he suffered the pain that was meant for you and for me because of our sin A a payment that we could never pay and he resurrected to new life Bible says that the moment that you come to a point that you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, that at that moment he forgives you of all of your sins, he gives you everlasting life, from that point on you start a relationship with him that will never end. See that's why John 3 16 says this, for God so loved you that he gave his son So that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so maybe you're here today at one of our campus and you're thinking, Pastor, listen, I, I'm that person. I want to start my walk with the Lord. I want to I give you that opportunity today. At all our campus, we'll bow our heads for prayer and close our eyes. Father, we come before you today and we're so grateful of what an awesome God you are, approachable, loving, merciful. And Father, I pray that all of us will keep a clear vision of who you are so that our faith could remain strong and unsinkable. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to lead you through a prayer. The ones of you who are maybe sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I want to start a relationship I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And when you pray, listen, do not pray to me. I am simply a man I cannot save. And you. Pray to the, you pray to the God who created you, who loves you, who died for your sins because he's waiting for you right now. So right now, wherever you're at, at all campuses, you pray this quietly to yourself. Pray this with me. Lord, today I realize you're the God I've been searching for. And I come before you and I confess all of my sins. And Lord, I ask you for forgiveness. Forgive me of all of my sins. And Lord, I put my trust in you. I ask you, Lord, to give me everlasting life, and Lord, for the rest of my life, help me to live a life that honors you, O Lord, so that I can bring glory to your name. Thank you, God, for being so good to, to me, receiving me, and saving me. Yes, in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, amen. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemmy.org. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.